All right, folks, take your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, this morning we're going to be speaking about the perfect gift. Now, I don't know about you, but I have heard that the perfect gift is delivered with a receipt. Get that? Guys, remember that. I know that the perfect gift is what we seek whenever we are seeking to uh, buy something for somebody. We want to make sure that we get them uh, what it is they like and something they can use and all of those kinds of things. But the perfect gift is not out there to be bought. As a matter of fact, most people don't want... Well, I better wait. That's, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself there. The perfect gift, though, for anyone is not out there to be bought. Now, you may get something that'll, that'll settle for a while, but it's going to get old, it's going to wear out, it's going to break down, and then there's going to be something else that's wanted or needed. So the perfect gift is an illusion if you want to look at it like that. I have had no luck at all purchasing gifts for my wife. As a matter of fact, I've gotten to the point where I say, you go get what you want and say it's from me. Because, well, first of all, she can't wait till Christmas to open her present. All right, she's got to know what it is before you wrap it so that she'll know and know it's coming. She can't take surprises. She don't like that. Now, she's not here, so I can say all this, all right? I'll have to deal with her when I get home, though, because she'll be watching. Okay. But she knows all of that's true. But the perfect gift, I mean, we're talking about t tonight, uh, today, what, what it is that we're looking forward for Christmas. The perfect gift. We, as we look into the scriptures this morning, we're going to be studying in, in John chapter 1, but I'm going to turn back over to Luke chapter 2 and read for you the five verses there. Four or five verses in Luke chapter 2, having to do with the birth of Christ. Luke chapter 2 verse 4 says this, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. As we look at Jesus being the perfect gift today, think about that narrative for just a moment. At the beginning of Jesus' life, in the world, there was no room for him. There was no room for Jesus in the end. And as we see it, since the word manger is included in the scriptures, we assume, we, we say that he was born in a stable. He was born among livestock where they kept the animals and laid in a feed trough. At the very beginning of his life, there was no room for the perfect gift for the whole world. And even today, 
the world still does not accept the perfect gift. Let's go now to John chapter 1. And we're going to begin reading in verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 10. And then we're going to read through verse 18 together. Because this passage of Scripture has to do with the exact thing that we just talked about, there being no room for Jesus in the end, for His family, for Him to be born there. And in verse 10 it says this, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This is He of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. This morning in our study in the Scriptures, we're going to be discussing the perfect gift. Let's pray together, please. Our God and King, as we come to you now, we bow before you, we, we humble our hearts, we ask for you to, to touch us, to help us, to, to open our hearts to receive your Word. And your Word is Jesus. Father, if we are hesitant, if we are unwilling, will you change us? Will you make us to see the truth? Will you speak to us today? We welcome you here in this place. And I pray by your spirit, you will speak to every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, like I said, the perfect gift. All right. This year, like I said, I don't Christmas shop for my wife. She Christmas shops for me, for her. I like it that way, because she's got a smile on her face. Too many times in the past, she would open up a present, and she would have a smile on her face, but it, you know, it wasn't the one you wanted. It was one of those, oh, okay. Did you keep the receipt? That's the kind... Now, I, I love her to death, and, but somehow or another, guys, we just don't pick up on the, the hints and the clues that they give us about what they really want and that sort of thing. I miss it. I, I'm, I confess. It's my fault. I do. I, I, I don't speak womanese. But uh, one of these days, we are going to receive the perfect gift it won't be, well, it might be this Christmas, but most likely it won't be something that we bought. When, when the Lord Jesus comes, He's going to give us the greatest gift we could ever have, and that's the glorification uh, that He brings with Him. He has already given us 
justification uh, in believing in His name. He's, going, he's in the process of sanctifying us, and one day He's going to glorify us, and I praise the Lord for that. That is the perfect gift. Now, as we speak of those things, as Jesus came into the world, the Scripture says in verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. First of all, we see that Jesus was rejected by the world. Going back to the birth narrative, there it was. They were looking for a place to stay. They had traveled to Bethlehem, and they wanted to stay somewhere, but they couldn't find a place. Uh, Mary about to give birth. They needed someplace really quick. They went to an inn, and there was no room there. It was full up. They didn't have any rooms or any space for them. Apparently, they went to a stable close by where she gave birth to the Lord Jesus and laid Him in a manger. Now, just that rejection that seemed to set the tone. No room for Him. It seemed to have a, an element that will follow Jesus all through His life where people would not accept Him for who He was. Think about when He was... 12 years old, he was sitting in the temple and the, he was confounding all the teachers of the law, uh, speaking to them and asking them questions. And, and Mary and Joseph had left, leaving Jerusalem, and they had to come back and, and get him and find out where he was. And, and they, she asked him, she said, why, why did you hurt me so? Why didn't you uh, stay with us? Where were you? And he says, I had to be about my father's business. See, he realized that he was not of the world. His calling was from heaven to come to the world, to lead the world back to God, and that's what he was about doing. Now, he submitted himself to his father and mother, and he went back with them. He grew in, the, in favor of God and men, and he became an adult. And when it came time for him to come forward in his ministry, he spoke the first words that is recorded that he spoke was repent. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the world looked at him like he was crazy. Remember all the teachers and, and Pharisees and Sadducees, all of them, what they did is they rejected him. And at, at one time, he came back to his own hometown and they rejected him saying, hey, we know this guy. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't his brother James and Joseph's? And, uh, and they go on. You see, they says, no, you can't be who you say you are. The rejection was there. Imagine for a moment, you have created something. I don't know what it is. Let's just, just, just say a car. That's the first thing off the top of my head, a car. You have created this car. You built it. You put all the parts together, and, and you, you got everything going, and this thing is nice. And then one day the car speaks to you and says, look, I don't like you, I don't want you, I'm going out on my own to do whatever I want to do. Now, you have built this thing all the way from the ground up, and now this, this thing is rejecting you, your creation. That's just a little bit of the emotion of what God goes through when we reject Him. You see, 
God made us exactly who we are so that we can be exactly who he wants us to be when we submit ourselves to him. But then we have the gall to turn around and say, God, I don't want to be what you want me to be. I want to be who I want to be, so I'm going to do my own thing. And he looks at us and says, don't do it because you are going to end up destroying everything for yourself. When we reject God, we reject his perfection for us. There's a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus that begin in, in Genesis chapter 3, but they, they go on through the, the Old Testament prophecies. And I'm thinking about uh, in Psalm chapter 22 where it talks about the, the suffering that the, the uh, Christ will go through. It, it explains or it talks about the crucifixion, the time of his death. And then you go on over to Isaiah and he talks about the suffering servant. And, and you see, the, the Savior that the people wanted was not the Savior that they received. The Savior that they needed was what they got, but they didn't want what they needed. And so whenever we think about that for ourselves, you know, we might want something else for ourselves, but it's not what we need the most. We want freedom. We want to be able to do this and do that and all of these other things, whether they be sin or not. We want to say, well, I want to choose. I want to do all these things. But then God says, I know where that leads, and I don't want you to go there because it's not the best for you. It leads to destruction. So when we reject his plan for our life, what we're doing is saying, God, we know more than you, and I want to do it my way. What we need isn't always what we want but we got what we needed in the Lord Jesus Christ so that we could have what he wanted for us the most Jesus in the New Testament you see he was um, speaking about his kingdom. And in Luke chapter 19, he tells the parable of, of the talents. So in, at the beginning of that, though, he says there was a, a, a person who was being made king. He was given authority, and he was going to go to this other country so that he could receive that authority. But when he, uh, he was going to give his talents to uh, those servants, he gave different talents for different servants, but it, it said this, the citizens of that country did not want him to rule over them. And at the end of the parable, the one who had become the ruler said, bring all of those people over here that didn't want me to rule over them and slay them before me. You see, Jesus is talking in the parable. He says, look, this is the point. I will be king. And what I have for you is the best for you. And if you don't allow me to do the best for you, you are choosing death for yourself because all those who rebel will be put to death. What we will see, what the world will see at the end of time when Christ Jesus sits on the throne, those who have rejected Jesus will be in hell. Literal destruction forever. Eternal torment. Never going away, never stopping. So Jesus gave that parable of rejection and the justice for that rejection. As the world looks at Jesus, 
have you noticed in the news, uh, it's always this way around Christmas and around um, Easter, television shows and that sort of thing, they disparage the Lord Jesus Christ. There's even, I think it's a movie or a play or something out there now that, that uh, depicts Jesus as a homosexual. Now, of course, that's the world's idea. They try to change things. They try to redefine things. But what they have done is they reject and blaspheme the Lord Almighty. They reject Jesus. They reject the perfect gift. Looking at verse 12, 13, and 14 now. But, don't you, don't you love that word? When you have a, a statement like was, was said before about the rejection of the Lord, then he says, but. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, of, uh, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus is received by believers. Rejected by the world, received by believers. Those whom He has called, those whom He has set aside from the foundation of the world, He knows who's going to be saved. But His desires for all men to be saved. So the gospel goes out to those who will listen. And those who listen receive the Lord Jesus Christ. They accept Him as the Son of God, as the propitiation for their sins as the sacrifice that frees them, that redeems them, and allows them to be pleasing unto God. When we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, it says those who receive Him, and in the last line of verse 12 says, to those who believe in His name. But to receive Him, you've got to believe that He is who He said He is, and that He did what He said He was going to do and did, and that because of that, He is the King of glory. And the only way for us to be pleasing unto God. The only way. When we receive Him, when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, He gives us the right, the authority. He gives us entrance into His kingdom. We have the right to become children of God. You see, in this country, being a citizen of our country gives us certain rights. If you are a citizen of the United States, there are certain rights that are guaranteed to you. To to be a citizen of God's country and God's kingdom is not one of those rights for our country. You see, the only way that we can enter into Uh, that right relationship with God and have the right to become His child is by accepting the way that He chose for us to come to Him. And that is Jesus. Just because we come to church, just because our parents were saved and were part of the church, just because we do all the things that that Christians do or people do to, to worship God, just because we know what the Bible says, will not guarantee our entrance into the kingdom of God. We must become a child of God, and that means being born again, accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, so that He can change us and make us into the person that He wants us to be, that He has designed us to be in relationship with Him. But until we receive Him, we don't have that right. 
when we accept him, he gives us his authority. And then we are adopted into his family. We become a child of God. Being reborn, we are into the kingdom of God. We are citizens, brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. He came so that we would be able to receive the gift that He gave, which is a reconciliation with God, being redeemed by His sacrifice. We can become the, a child of God. He, Jesus was brought into this world and rejected by the world. But there are those in this world that will receive Him. There are those in this world who have received Him, will continue to live with Him, for Him, following Him, completing His will for their life. And there are those who will, who are in the first category, who will come to know Jesus before it's too late. And listen to the prayer of the church. We want that to be today. Our heart as those who are children of God. We desire for more people to join the family of God by accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, by believing in His name. In verse 15, the Scripture goes on. First of all, Jesus was rejected by the world, then He was received by believers, and now He is referred by John the Baptist. In verse 15, John bore witness of Him, and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. So John referred Jesus. Going back to Matthew chapter 3, this is the account of that, that it was quoted in chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord for, and make his paths straight. John was that person. Now, as you go on and into the chapter, looking at verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to, uh, to his baptism, he said, Brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that, Abraham, that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water, unto repentance, but he who, can, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John said, hey, there's somebody coming after me that you don't know. But when he comes, watch out for him. 
because he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John says, I'm baptizing you with water. He says, I'm, I'm preparing the way for him. When he gets here, he's the one. And remember what he said? Whenever he, was, he saw Jesus coming, he told those that were around him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. He said, There he is. I told y'all he was coming. Here he is. When John gave testimony, you see, he already had everybody's attention because he was telling them the truth. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand and you need to get ready for it. And then when Jesus came, he pointed to him and said, there he is, the one I told you about. He was before me and he is preferred before me. And I'm not worthy to even tie his shoes. John said, Jesus was before me. Now, we all know, we've done the math, we've looked at the scriptures. John was six months older than Jesus. So John knew that this wasn't just the, his cousin that was younger than him. He knew that he was the eternal God. And that's what John was saying. He existed before me because he's always been, always will be. He is God, the Lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. John told them, this is the gift of God to the world. In verse 16, John chapter 1, 16, 17, and 18, And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Jesus is revealer of God's grace. You see, He came into the world, was rejected by the world. He is received by believers. He was referred to, He was testified of by John the Baptist, and He reveals God's grace to each one of us. To the world, if the world would receive it. And of His fullness, we have all received. And grace for grace. The law was given through Moses. You see, the Old Testament law was not a graceful thing. There was grace included. But the purpose of the law was to bring us to the, to the idea, to the, to the knowledge of our sin. But there was grace in the Old Testament, temporary grace, not full grace, but temporary. You see, the sacrificial system was set up so that you could have forgiveness of sins and atonement for a time for your sins. And the system was set up so that you knew what you had to do. If you committed a certain sin, there was a certain sacrifice. And every year they had to go through these sacrifices to atone for their sins. But now in the New Testament, this is what it says, of His fullness we have received, talking about His fullness of grace that is given to us when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross for us, when He sacrificed Himself, He completed God's grace so that no more sacrifices are needed. 
The atonement is not for a time. It's forever. It's completed. It's done. And all we have to do is receive it. The sins that we commit, no matter what they are, Jesus paid for it. That little white lie that you know just kind of slipped out and we didn't really mean it, Jesus paid for it. The big sins, all that we talk about, you know, all the all the Ten Commandments, and and there's great big sins that the way that we look at it, Jesus paid for it. Every sin I've ever committed, every sin that I ever will commit, He paid for it. He atoned for it. That is what full grace is about. That's you see, it's not a partial, a temporary grace like it was in the Old Testament. Today's grace covers it all. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He came, the infinite one, the uh, eternal one. He made an eternal sacrifice that will last eternally. So whatever sin is in my heart, in my life, whatever sin that I, that I go through, that I commit, has been taken care of on the cross. Jesus revealed God's grace by being that sacrifice. Law, the law points us toward the need for forgiveness and grace. Jesus brought it. Jesus delivered it. Jesus offers it as the gift. Did you know that you need grace? Let me, let me explain. Let me give you the definition that, that I have accepted for grace. And this is just country boy English, okay? Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. That's what grace is. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. I commit a sin. I, I break the law. I deserve death, the scripture says. For the wages of sin is death. But because Christ paid the price, not only do I not get what I do deserve, I get something that I don't deserve, which is complete forgiveness. Mercy, not getting what I do deserve. Grace, getting something that I could never earn or deserve. That's what Jesus came to deliver. That's what Jesus has done for us. That is the gift that He wants you to have. Not at Christmas, today. Every day. He wants you to know that His grace is full, complete, done, accomplished. Whatever word you want to put on it, that means the same thing. It's over with. And all you have to do is open the gift. Jesus declared to us. Verse 18, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father has declared Him. How did He do that? How did He declare God? He came and showed us how, how a righteous person is to live and how much God loves us in that He would send His Son to die for us and give us that grace, that mercy, that love, that forgiveness, that eternal life.
You see, Jesus revealed God's grace. And it's available. It's his gift. But yet we've got to receive it. I was watching a television show the other day and somebody was cleaning house and, and they found an old Christmas present in the closet or, or somewhere. They had hidden it and they had forgotten where they hidden it and they hadn't brought it out for the opening time. And this gift was discovered later on because it wasn't delivered on time. Jesus' gift is always before you. And if you don't open it, it's not yours. You must receive it. You must receive Him. His sacrifice for you. Without you receiving Him, without you saying, yes, Jesus, I need your salvation, I need your forgiveness, I'm a sinner, and I can't earn my way to you, I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior, I want to follow you for the rest of my life, I want to be with you in eternal glory. When we do that, the gift is opened, and we receive it. You see, Jesus is the perfect gift. And the gift is available for you today. Will you receive it? The world may tell you you're crazy, but that's just because they're crazy, and they want you to be crazy like them. Jesus says, here's the truth. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the truth. This morning, the Savior is here. He wants to save you. He wants to give you that gift. Are you willing? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, our God, our King, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your love for us, for your sacrifice that was, has brought to us grace, mercy, redemption, salvation. I ask, Father, this morning that as we enter into our invitation time that, that you accomplish your purpose, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May you touch the hearts of those who need you for whatever reason, Lord. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand for a hymn of invitation. Hymn number 307. Hymn 307.